what better day to disturb the comfortable and let you have it full barrel than on Pastor Appreciation Day. I mean, I'm going to throw everything but that kitchen sink at you today. Praise God. The prophetic voices this morning really um, laid out the table. Everything Pastor Joel shared, everything that came by prophetic voice really just confirmed the message today. I could not get out of my heart little, I, I kind of made a, you know, a digression last week in the message, and I felt the Lord just say, I want you to preach on that. I want you to preach on this very important topic this morning. And the story is found in Joshua's book, Joshua chapter 2. Praise God. Joshua 2, why don't we read this story? Praise God. Won't be a long sermon this morning. <laughs> Well, it'll be a normal one, I guess. <laughs> normal length for this guy. Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1. Let's just kind of get into the story. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. We have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one, no one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window, escaped to the hill country. She told them, hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left the past, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and relatives, your relatives must be here inside the house. If they keep 
they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had been happened to them. The Lord had given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. The title of my sermon this morning is Rahab, from call girl to called girl. From call girl to call girl. You don't have to be a seminarian to know that this scarlet cord is but a type in the shadow of the blood of Jesus Christ. For as the Israel, as Rahab and her family stayed under its cover, they were stay safe just as much as we who need to stay under the covering of the blood of Jesus are safe as well. As long as Rahab's family stayed inside that house, stayed under the covering of that scarlet cord, they were safe because weeks later, Jericho was surrounded by a marching Israeli army who marched around their city seven times, once a day for six days, seven times in the seven day, let out a shout. The city and the wall collapsed. Everyone was killed, all except Rahab and her family who stayed under that scarlet marker. Can I tell you this morning, can I disturb you just a little bit with, a, with just a statement that is true because the Bible said so, that divine judgment is coming upon our world. Divine judgment is coming upon the world. There's no escaping it, no way around it. The Bible says so, it is happening. God has to judge sin. Everyone will be utterly cut off from God's mercy except those who are underneath heaven's scarlet provision for salvation, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Much preaching has eliminated the mention of the blood. I don't know why. Because it says only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Right, it's right. been eliminated from pulpits. It's That's been eliminated right. from teaching. It's been eliminated. This bloody gospel is what saves us. That's this right. bloody gospel is what saves our soul. I could tell you and show you this picture. Any person in all of Jericho that was there, the kings, the street vendors, all the teenagers, the adults, everybody was susceptible to the judgment of God except those, one family that was under that scarlet cord. Was Rahab better than all those people? Absolutely not. She was a town madam. She was a town madam. Then why was she spared? Because she sought protection right. underneath the scarlet cord. Amen. Years ago, a well-known evangelist was approached by a religious television personality who said to him, why do you keep preaching about the blood in hell? That isn't what America wants to hear about. Actually, he was true. America doesn't want to hear about the blood. Some churches don't want to hear about the blood. Some preachers are not preaching about the blood. 
Paul said, I want to know nothing amongst you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. The fact remains that divine judgment is coming and the only protection afforded us is the blood of Jesus Christ. The born-again believer, fear not judgment this morning. Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Rahab's escape from Israeli retribution was to hang the scarlet cord from her window. Our escape from divine retribution is for us to be covered by God's scarlet provision. That's the blood of Jesus. And the old cop out, you know, God is so loving, so good. Certainly he would never let anyone perish. He is loving. He is good. That's why he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God has given to this whole world a scarlet provision. Hebrews 2 and verse number 1, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For for if the message spoken by angels was binding, every violation and disobedience received is just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? If we don't ignore such a great salvation, did you know God has provided us and promised us a great deliverance out of this world before all the great judgments begin? How do I know that? Because in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10, Jesus is speaking to the church of Philadelphia, the church that scholars believe is the true church of the last days, the waiting church, the believing church, the occupying church, that he's going to rapture before the tribulation period begins. Why? It says, because you have obeyed my command, it's Revelation 10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from. That word is absolutely huge. It does not say during, it does not say of, not saying anything but from, not through, not anything but from, the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I love that word from. That word makes me breathe a sigh of relief. I can sleep well tonight because it says from, not through, not anything but from. I have made this statement 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, during such times, and I think we're at the moment when such a time as this, that there is a great sense of fear and foreboding and some dread that is there in the air. Do you feel it? Like something is going to happen. Something is coming down the pike. I can feel it. It's there again. I want you to see this morning just the five qualities, you know, (laughs) of, of Rahab. Got ahead of myself a little bit. In a recent Behold Israel newsletter, Israeli teacher and author Amir Safadi writes this, I see a storm coming our way, one greater than we have ever seen. With each passing day, the waves from the weak and ineffective governments in the U.S. and Israel grow larger and more frequent. A war-thirsty Putin, an emboldened Iran, an unfettered China, and a mentally and emotionally unstable North Korea 
can all be traced back to where they're no longer being a strong gun-toting sheriff on the world stage. I believe that events are about to take place, the likes of which we haven't seen since the first half of the 20th century. You know, Amir, he's an Israeli Bible scholar, prophetic teacher, author. His backyard, when he walks out his back door, he's got this, the Valley of Megiddo is out his back door. That is where Armageddon is going to take place, the last great battle on earth, World War III, if you will, and where Jesus and all the saints, all the saints will come riding out of heaven to deal with the Antichrist and his armies in such a day. He doesn't know it. I've invited him here. He will never come here. He won't come here because he doesn't know who the heck I am. But he is my man on the 50-yard line sitting there with Megiddo in his backyard with a bird's-eye view of all that's happening on the world. He closes this little discussion or this statement with, yet while I weep for the world, I rejoice for the church. We are in the most exciting of generations, the fig tree generation. This is the generation that will not pass away until the return of our Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Romans 13.11 says this, and do this understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of this sinful nature. You know, one thing about Rahab, she fascinates me. You know why she fascinates me? Because she represents all the unregenerate, all the unsaved people of the world today who still have some sort of intuition, some sort of sensitivity to the fact that there are greater forces at work There are things that are coming down the pike that are not good. And this woman, who's the spokesman for all the people of all of Jericho, who have a a sense and are fearful that something bad is going to happen, she's the one that has enough horse sense to make some good decisions and good judgment. And I can imagine Rahab just peering out her apartment window, you know, that was on the wall, looking out over perhaps two million Israelites who were set for battle and ready to come attack. Is there anything us redeemed and righteous people can learn from such an unrighteous harlot like Rahab? There are tons. There are absolutely tons. Number one, Rahab had a street smart openness to the truth from wherever it came. She's open to the truth. She could sense something was going down. She could sense something was going to happen. She's not in right relationship with Jehovah, but something is going to happen. I think all the commoners, like there's great fear amongst all the people. How many people have you come across in these days who are, make no profession of faith, but seem to have some sort of keen sensitivity that, boy, something's going down. Something is going to happen. They're not even Christians. They don't pretend to be Christians. But yet they have this sense that something is going wrong. Something is happening. Something is going to happen. Joshua 2 and verse 10, Rahab tells the spies, 
For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Ai, to two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heaven and above and the earth below. This is a Canaanite talk, and this is an idol worshiper. This is a, a harlot who makes this statement of faith. Think of the great city of Jericho and all its people. How did the spies, these two spies, just happen to happen upon this house where this harlot lives? And why go to the house of a harlot? That's what I want to know. Go right to the king. Jesus came to seek sinners, did he not? I mean, you know, it's, it's the spirit of God by t- divine provision brings these two spies to the, you know, maybe the most unrighteous person in all of Jericho, the most unrighteous person, right to the red, li- you know, the red light district. Go there. It's like, have we sh- you sure you're hearing from God? Do you realize where we are? But there they go. And there they go to the house and home and of a woman whose heart God is maybe working on. What does that mean to us that perhaps in all of our towns that we're surrounded, all the communities around us, people that you bump shoulders with every single day, we got to believe the Holy Spirit's opening their eyes, opening their ears, opening their hearts to the truth that something is coming down the pike. The Holy Spirit is working both sides of the fence this morning because out there he's working on the hearts. And here he's working on the heralds. He's working on the hearts. He's working on the heralds here. He's giving us a voice. He's giving us a reason for what we believe. Amen. Rahab heard that the Red Sea's drying up. Israelites destroyed two Amorite kings, Og, Sihon. You know, but she's not paralyzed by fear. She begins to think logically. Who are these people? These people have God with them. And she begins to think God, and she becomes God, and that becomes the starting point for her face. Her eyes didn't see, but her ears heard what God had done, and that's when belief kind of gets done. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she had heard about Jesus. She gets a mighty miracle. Second, Rahab had the courage to make the tough decision. She had heard some about the Jews, what they did. She's got two Jews now in her house hiding in her attic. See, our our availability to God always involves a decision. Are we available to the Lord? Are we willing to commit all to him? Are we willing to be a true blue Christian and realize what Christ has done for us and reciprocate by giving him our whole lives? Because we can get so paralyzed by indecision. You know, I, 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 I'm not all that bad. I, I don't have to commit much. And you can be in that place of neutrality. You know what I mean? Kind of like that poor uh, soldier during the time of the Civil War who couldn't decide which side to be on, the Union and the Confederates. So he put on a Confederate jacket. He put on Union pants. And they shot at him from both sides. <laughs> There's a danger in neutrality. And this is Rahab's Garden of Gethsemane. Will she or won't she? Will she or won't she? And Joshua 2.21 says, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on the way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The scarlet rope. She made her decision. Made her decision.
Real biblical faith, everyone, is not mere confidence. It's not positive confession. It is not wishing upon a star, waiting for your ship to come in. It's not even a leap in the dark. You know what real faith is? Real faith is is stepping out into the light and taking God's word seriously. Number three, Rahab was willing to join a new family, the family of God. I don't think she had any understanding of this scarlet cord, you know, and what it was going to do for her any more than the Jews did who painted all that blood on the doorposts and lentils there in Egypt. I don't think either group knew what the heck all that was. And you don't even have to understand all this, do you? I don't understand why God would go to a cross. I don't understand why he would die for me, a sinner. Such love, such grace. Amen? But her... She must have looked at her lifestyle and said, I'm not finding any happiness at all. I mean, she would look for the genuine in men, look for the genuineness in sex, come away bitterly disappointed with her lifestyle. And then suddenly she's got two Hebrew men in her home. But these two men seem to be genuine. They seem to be the real deal. They seem to be more concerned about her soul and her safety, rather than just her body. And these two men are warning her, and they tell her in Joshua 2.17, the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord and the window through which you let us down. When you think about it, there was already a scarlet cord in her window. You know why? Because the scarlet cord was a symbol of her trade. It was a symbol of her trade. This is the red light district. You wanted to find a harlot's house? Guess where you would look? You would look to find where there is a scarlet cord. Because where the scarlet cord was, that was the harlot's house. But these two Hebrews tell her, I want you to hang that scarlet cord in your window. Not for men to see, but for God to see. This is where God is going to see, not men. Now these spies hang it. She tells her, hang it in your window. And when she hangs this scarlet cord in her window, this becomes a confession of her sins. This becomes a confession of her sins. Here is the message for us today. When you hang our sins before a holy God, our confession to him becomes to him mercy and grace, which delivers us from judgment. Isaiah 118 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they would be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be like as wool. In the Bible, the scarlet is a color for sin. In the Bible, scarlet is is a color of redemption. It's the same thing. The same scarlet that means sin means redemption. This was a scarlet cord that Rahab hung out the window. It was a scarlet color that was painted upon the doorposts and lentils of the Hebrews in Egypt so that the firstborn of every family would not die. It was a scarlet color that was painted on the mercy seat that was offered up to God on the Day of Atonement. Messiah became sin for us to take away sin from us. So I say to you this morning, if you just hang up, Hang out, lay up your sins, lay up your past failures, 
Lay up all those things that are bogging you down. Hang them out the window like a scarlet cord. Hang it out to the cross. Jesus will take you from that miserable, failing life of yours and give you a victorious life because scarlet, the color of sin, is also the color of redemption. Number four, Rahab had a loyalty to her own family. This scarlet cord was not just for herself. It was for her whole family. She loved her family. She wanted her family saved. Goes to the two spies, Joshua 2.12. Now swear to me by the Lord that you'll be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all their families. I can just imagine the scene when she calls all her family into the house. (laughs) Everyone listen to me. The Israelites are coming, and they're coming to destroy our entire city. And I want to encourage every one of you to come into my house. Everyone come into my house. Let's pack the place out. Come into my house. Come into my house, and we'll all be saved. Then somebody asked the question, everyone in this house is going to be killed except those in your house, Rahab. Is that true? Even if God, who I'm not sure even exists, comes and destroys our city, what makes you think that he's not going to destroy your house? I mean, this house has the smell and the stench of all your perfumes and all of your ointments, all of the, you know, the aromas that attract all the men who go walking by and put a hook in their nose and draws them in and sucks them in so that they can pull tricks with you for money. Then maybe somebody who's got common sense says, Rahab, why is judgment not coming to this house? And Rahab simply says, because of this scarlet thread. That's why. This scarlet thread. That's why. And maybe there was some laughter and maybe there was some humor and maybe much what Lot faced when he was trying to convince his sons-in-laws or future sons-in-laws that judgment was coming upon Sodom. In Genesis 19, 14, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was what? Back to Rahab's family. Rahab, uh, you are the town harlot. Why is it that your house, your home, and all of us will be spared? You say that underneath this scarlet cord, we're going to be safe. And Rahab said, yes. And I plead with every single one of you to make room in my house. Come into my house. Let's fill my house because it's only under this scarlet cord that we are going to be saved. It's only under the blood of Jesus Christ, can I say this as fervently as I can in these last days, that we can be saved. And the family must have listened to her. She must have been persuasive. Maybe she has a gift of preaching. In Joshua 6.20, it says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. The Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, goats, donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. 
the men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. Don't you want that to happen in your family? Raptured, raptured. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town, everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Number five, and lastly, Rahab had a lasting faith in the Lord. The Bible says she lived among the Israelites to this day. I love that. She lived amongst the Israelites. She's a new creature in Christ. She's no longer a Canaanite, no longer a prostitute. She's a proselyte. She is a new creature yes. in Christ. I love the quote that says, nature forms us, sin deforms us, the world conforms us, education informs us, but faith transforms yes. us. And it's her faith that transforms us. Yes. Someone once said, Rahab went from a child of hell to a citizen of heaven, from a shady lady to a shiny star, from a call girl to a converted girl, from disgrace to dignity, from the house of shame to the hall of fame. Hebrews 11.31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. James 2.25, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. I noticed something there. Why doesn't God drop the title of prostitute? Why doesn't he keep that? She's a child of God. Remember our brother Mark shared yesterday, Lord's given you a new name. You are no longer victim, you're victorious. You're not victim, but victorious, victim. And he painted that beautiful picture of Jacob's name being changed from Jacob to Israel, no longer deceiver, but prince with God. But here, (laughs) why didn't God just keep Moses? Moses the murderer, Abraham the liar, Gary Collette the fill in the blank, everything. Joel Dahlstrom, fill fill in the book. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. We appreciate it. But why? Rahab, the prostitute, just call her Rahab. Just call her Rahab. The prostitute Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. Why does God not drop that title, that God-forsaken title? I'm not a prostitute anymore. I'm a proselyte. Why does God do it? It's because God wants us to know that our past, no matter how sinful, no matter how wretched, does not have to control our future and disqualify us from becoming what God has intended for us to become. That's why the title remains there amongst the Hebrew 11 Hall of Famers like Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Enoch, Noah, Abel, all because God wants us to know that all by ourselves we cannot get our act together and to know that with him, God takes our yesterdays and makes them better tomorrows. Matthew 1.1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Matthew 1.5, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. It is believed that this guy, Salmon, was one of those two spies. Believed. That Salmon was one of those two spies that spotted out. You can see a movie coming with that one, you know. (laughs) She caught his eye. He caught her eye, you know, but he was a man of God. Salmon, the father of Boaz, who was a mother, was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. 
Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, put it all together, and Rahab becomes the great-great-grandfather of King David, whose line Jesus comes through, which shows us that God not only delivers hopeless people from hopeless situations, but he can still use those hopeless people and use them for his plans and purposes in this world. Amen? Folks, again, is there anything we could learn from this call girl turned call girl? Imagine if she delayed. Imagine if she had taken her sweet old time. Imagine if she said, you know something? Uh, yeah, that, that sounds pretty foolish. I mean, lay a scarlet cord out of you. You know, that is the foolish, craziest thing I've ever seen and heard. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I get around with it, you know, maybe the Israelites will hold off their attack, and when I get around to doing it, you know, there's a legend that's been told that when the, on the eve of the night when the Jews were told to paint the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts and lentils of their, of their homes so as to keep the destroying angel from taking the firstborn son from every home, that one boy, one Jewish boy, could not sleep. He was concerned that the blood of the Passover lambs were not on his doorpost, none of his lentils. He could not sleep. So he gets out of bed, says to his dad, Dad, are you sure the blood is out there on the, on the lentils? And his dad said, Son, I reassure you, I put it into the hands of a trusted friend. He took care of it. Now go to bed. Boy went back to bed, could not sleep. Came back a second time. Dad, are you sure that blood is out there on the doorpost and on the lentils? And son, you, wanna, you want me to show you? Come. I'll show you. And when they got outside, there was no blood on the doors. Absolutely no blood on the doors. Immediately, the father runs inside the house, grabs a, a basin of blood with, um, with some, uh, you know, a brush, runs back outside, spray paints and paints all the blood, the Passover Lamb's blood all over his doors. They run inside the house. No sooner does the, their door close that they could hear the whirring of the angel wings of the angel of death who just passed over them. And they were saved just in the nick of time because of the blood of the Passover lamb. I don't know how many people there will be. I don't know how many people there will be in eternity that have heard this preacher preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, you need to give your heart to Jesus today, not tomorrow. And you need to come under God's scarlet provision of the blood of Jesus Christ so that you will not be here when the judgments fall. Because the church will be raptured before the great tribulation period. We will be out of here. And heaven help those who are pounding on the doors of this church after the day after the rapture and showing up here the Sunday after thinking that there's church at 10.15 a.m., thinking that there's children's, you know, kids' church out back, thinking that we're all going to be here. I pray to God that bread of life becomes empty, empty of all its occupants. This place can become a triage for the tribulation. It can be a mash unit. It can be racquetball court. It can be whatever it's going to be. I pray that healing still happens here. I pray good things still happens here. But bread of life, people, not the church, the people of bread of life, have disappeared in the twinkling of an eye because they have put their faith in Jesus.
that scarlet cord, the blood of Christ. If she hadn't done what she did, you'd have no Boaz, you have no Jesse, you have no David, you have no lineage at all. Judgment is coming to our world, everyone. Judgment's coming to America even. You know, I know you know it in your hearts. I know you believe it in your hearts, even if you're unwilling to confess it with your mouths. We are humanity's Jericho. And there are forces all around us caving in. There are forces all around coming. The Lord is coming back so soon. One of the things that precedes the return of the Lord, or should I say the day of the Lord, a tribulation is the great falling away. And that is people giving in to apostasy and drifting away from their faith. And I had a whole page of statistics for you this morning, but I'm, I'm not going to say it. But people need to hang that scarlet cord over their hearts. They need to say, Jesus, save me, deliver me, come into my heart, come into my life. Help me to hang a scarlet cord over the window of my heart, Lord. And he will. First Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we stand together, everybody? Praise God. You heard the prophetic voices this morning. You heard the gospel this morning, although in an Old Testament sense, but an Old Testament symbol, foreshadow, type of the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you under the blood of Jesus Christ this morning? Is your home underneath the blood of Jesus Christ? Is your family saved? I love that when Rahab said, you know, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, relatives, all these people were brought to a safe place. Oh, I don't have people in my life in a safe place. Uh, who else doesn't have people in a safe place this morning who are members of your household? You want them to be in a safe place. Hallelujah. Keep praying for them, praying for them, praying the Holy Ghost opens their eyes, their hearts, their minds. If they grew up in church, the seeds of truth are there. Right. The seeds of truth are there. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to water those seeds and cause those seeds to germinate, to grow. And, you know, even a blade of grass can poke itself through a, a hardened sidewalk. And so can the truth of God's word, like a blade of grass, poke through even the hardness of heart. That might be your, your mother, your father, your children, your stepsons, your stepdaughters, grandparents, anyone at all. No one is past saving. No one has sins that are so bad, so despicable, that God hasn't died for. He died for all of our sins. He has shed his holy blood for us sinners. And there's now therefore no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, amen, who obey his spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you know Jesus is Savior this morning? Hallelujah. In the old days, Billy Graham would stop 